0: Hey, what's going on? This is the Saturday on South podcast. I am Connor O'Gara. Will, you are back. Joe Burrow never left. How mm-hmm. are we feeling?
1: Feeling great, man. Feeling like, you know, back like I never left, man. Had a great weekend watching all the former LSU Tigers and just, uh, just having a great time, man. I just have loving all these mashups of like the guys back in college, even like Matt Stafford. Really great to feel happy for that guy. So just had a really productive, relaxing weekend. Just, just back at it, man. You know.
0: Love it. Love it. I used to wonder what it was like for non-Chicago people, non-Bulls fans, that's what I should say, to watch MJ. And I'm not saying that Burrow is, is, is MJ or anything like that, so don't get it twisted. What I am saying is I used to wonder what it was like to root for someone who is just so great that they transcend fan bases because of the way that they go about their business. And Burrow isn't doing that at like an MJ level or anything like that. But I do think that we're kind of in the beginning of someone with such a ridiculously high approval rating at a time when everybody just loves to hate. That's, that's the nature of the beast. Mm -hmm. Like I, I don't know that we've seen anything quite like this in the NFL and even like a Jackson or not Jackson Mahomes, shouldn't say Jackson Mahomes, Pat Mahomes, even like a Pat Mahomes now has like a little bit of like a so, so approval rating because he's won already. And he's not exactly Joe personality like we see him in the state farm commercials and stuff like that. But he's not doing some of the things that Joe Burrow does with the confidence, the swag, or whatever you want to call it. And man, it's freaking cool to watch. It's really, really cool to watch. Like, even if you're you have no affiliation with LSU, Cincinnati, whatever, like, how can you not watch that guy and be like, he's awesome.
2: He's a man.
1: The thing about Joe Burrow, when he came to LSU, right, he was like, he had just got passed by Tate Martell on the Ohio State depth chart, so it's not. No, he had it. Don't do revisionist <laughs> history, will. Do not. You know
0: what? I'm glad you brought that up because if you want to go back and find the video of the time that Tate Martell tried to step to Joe Burrow and Joe Burrow mm-hmm. and J T Barrett had to put him in his place, you can go back and find that video. It's in the Twitter archives. Make no mistake about it. Tate Martell did not pass Joe Burrow, and if you go back and you look at the quotes from what Ohio State players were saying, even a certain Urban Meyer. Was saying look he is a made player he's ready to go I went back and I found the stuff from the the teammates were saying about him like way back in the day even Paris Campbell he's talking about like this guy's a true warrior like LSU fans you guys should feel blessed to get him like they they praised him in ways that you couldn't imagine but he just wasn't quite on the level that Dwayne Haskins was at at that specific time Mm -hmm. and Dwayne Haskins had a ridiculously good season but like Let's not do the revisionist history thing. Which
1: See, Connor, I've been knowing you long enough to where I know the things I can say that will just set you off. But that <laughs> that was a trap. That's it. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, man, no. So, point being, you know I'm saying? He was a transfer, and we had high hopes, obviously coming off of Danny Etling. Um, but I remember looking at him and, and looking at his Twitter, and his Twitter, his header was uh, Dirty Dan from Spongebob. It was Spongebob and Patrick bashing each other with boards with nails in them, and I was like, Surely this guy can't be serious, and I want to <laughs> say it was like that until he replaced it with like an LSU national championship. Better. He's the same dude all the time. Like he's like literally it was like when I saw it I was like oh this guy's unserious, and then as I like got to know him in the media and everything I was like oh no he's like one of my homies that just can throw sixty touchdowns. Like it's. Everything he does, like his old tweets, started coming out after the game. And again, same thing. It's like, uh oh, hope he doesn't have any bad old tweets. It's all just like NBA, like crap posts from like twenty fifteen when he was a Cavs fan. It's just like, oh, Henny J.R. Smith. It's like this guy rocks. <laughs> He's like one of my friends, and we're all just sitting around watching the Cavs. At that point, he was like on Ohio State because it was like twenty seventeen, like 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 from the finals. It was like how you're so famous, but you're so like not famous. And like, yeah, I don't know. I think that's what makes him Michael. It's the fact that there's not, there's like no film between him and and kind of regular people. And hopefully he stays that way forever. I mean, I couldn't have imagined this amount of success this early for him. So like Mahomes, like you said, you know, the media or like not the media, but we as Americans just find a way to dislike people. So it's gonna be interesting to see how that happens, but he's been himself every day. It's, It's working for him.
0: A year ago, I, I remember writing around this time, an article for SDS, man, it feels like the SEC is going to have a really long drought of quarterbacks in the Super Bowl mm. because the drought at that time, previously up until this year, where we're going to see Joe Burrow, Matt Stafford in the Super Bowl against one another, the, the drought went back to the 2015 season. Cam Newton paid May that mm-hmm. that was the last time we had seen an sec quarterback in the super bowl and now for the fourth time in history we're going to see an sec quarterback against an sec quarterback and what a big time selling point that will be for the league itself and you look all over the place and you see sec stars and you see jamar chase odell beckham sony michelle i mean it's just there are sec dudes on top of sec dudes in this game and it's going to be kind of cool to watch but i am legitimately looking forward to the super bowl as somebody that obviously has No team affiliation whatsoever, but I'm really, really excited to see Joe Burrow on this stage for uh, the next two weeks. So plan for today. We've got Mizzou kicker Harrison Mevis coming up in a bit. That's right. The thicker kicker himself. Yes, sir. Unreal nickname he has. Uh, We're also going to do facial hair and figure it out as well. But two things that I wanted to hit on before we get to that. Ask yourself this question. Will, what did you think of Brian Kelly's personality about two months ago? So we're, we're just talking before he came to LSU. Oh, before he got the LSU job? Man, I did not like that guy. I'm going to just be honest with you. I would have said that he comes off as the red-faced dude who looks like he's on the brink of a heart attack. Yes. Like, that's, I, I mean, fair. Like that's. He came off as a guy who was more likely to go viral for a bad moment than a good moment or a lighthearted moment. His viral moments at Notre Dame were for things like saying he was going to kill his team after the floor state opener, (laughs) which was supposed to be a play on this John McKay quote about execution, which also was from 1976. Who doesn't love when a coach decides to quote something from 45 years ago and then wonders why nobody understands what he's talking about. Live,
1: on the spot, on the field, after he almost lost. Just no sense of kind of the rest of the world around him at that point, really. And then... The the reaction where he's like
0: nobody really understood that this was a joke. It's like all right Yeah, we get it It was kind of a joke But probably went over the heads of a lot of different people and Brian Kelly kind of looked he at least I in my opinion Looked like the guy who is a little bit out of touch and at the very least He was kind of closed off there were moments in which he'd be kind of short with the media so fast forward to this past weekend when once again Brian Kelly goes viral for dancing twice once was for learning the gritty, which has now become as synonymous with LSU as playing neck, probably. Like mm-hmm. it's up there. And the other was for a commitment video. Everyone listening to this podcast, I'm guessing, has already seen this video, or if you haven't, you've at least seen people talking about it. Danny Lewis, a 2022 tight end, tweets out this video, and it's Kelly back on the 360 platform, but instead of calling Baton Rouge, now he's dancing to Right Foot Creep by NBA Youngboy, who just so happens to be a Baton Rouge native. Will, the kids know NBA Youngboy, right?
1: Oh man, the things I would hear exit your mouth. Right foot creep by NBA Young Boy. Yeah, no. Uh, most people, yeah, most people just call him, you know, Young Boy on the on the Bird app. But yeah, he's a big deal, especially down in Louisiana.
0: Is that a trademarking deal to, to leave the NBA yeah. stuff out?
1: It stands for never broke again. But then I think he didn't plan on getting successful, kind of like Joe Burrow. Yeah. And he's like, I can't be letting people call me NBA. Adam Silver's not gonna like that.
0: No, yeah, they're they're definitely gonna hit you with a cease and desist on that one, probably. <laughs> Uh, but you've seen the video because as, like, as of the moment that I was putting this podcast together on, on Monday morning, the video had 8.2 million views. 8.2 million. Remember, this is a three-star recruit who had like 2,000 followers at the time when he tweeted this video out, which also, of course, ended up on TikTok. I saw some takes flying all over the place. Lane Kiffin trolled Kelly for this, saying he had to have been hacked. All right, Kiffin's, you know, he he can kind of jab and, and do these things in a playful sort of way. He's earned the right to be able to do that. I saw others basically just copy and paste their tweets from the Walker Howard video and try to dunk on a 60 year old man for his dance moves. And I even saw this take. The, if I were the kid, I would not be down with this. By the way, the kid tweeted out the video. Just like the last one. For everyone saying that Brian Kelly is grinding on a kid, no, they're standing on a platform. And if you think that's what Urban Meyer was doing at that bar with that girl, you're wearing different glasses than I am. You just are. The difference between Urban and Brian Kelly, Brian Kelly wants to be seen. Urban, not so much. Didn't want that on video. Brian Kelly is not, he knows that he's not about to audition for the Jabberwockies here. All right? Like let's let's be perfectly clear about what he's trying to do. Some of y'all are out here like the dude is attempting to become a professional break dancer. He's he's not, okay? If we want to break down Brian Kelly's dancing, he mostly stays within the guidelines of hitch. This is where you live, right here. They don't need no pizza. Yep. They got food there. Kelly's sneaking in the, the hands across the face. I'm doing this for Will. Nobody can see me doing this,
1: but. You get you get what I'm doing because you've probably seen this. That's what kind of the is the the, the, kinda, Bee Gees, the, the, the hey, yeah. I don't even know what you'd call that move, but we've all seen it.
0: Yeah, we've seen it before. You've probably done it not sober at a wedding <laughs> one time. Whatever, like it happens. Uh, Kelly doing that is probably what set off the cringe factor more than anything else. But you know what doesn't get 8.2 million views? A picture of Kelly smiling next to a three-star recruit. It doesn't. Sorry, yep. that's the way the internet works. This has now become Brian Kelly's thing, clearly. And you could say, hey, Coach Blah 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 isn't out here dancing to get recruits. I'd say, yeah, there's more than one way to skin a cat. Also, who are these people who are out here skinning cats? Why is that a thing? I'm not sure why we say that instead of, there's more than one way to cook a steak. Guess that's a different subject for a different time. This is maybe my favorite (laughs) (laughs) model. so (laughs) much here. Wow. It's funny because when Saban does the Cupid Shuffle or when he turns his hat around in a post-game victory celebration on stage, it's received differently because Saban's got rings. Right. When Mac Brown busts a move in the post-game locker room, he doesn't get blasted because he does it after he wins. Timing and perspective is everything with stuff like this. Kelly isn't doing stuff like this if he's in the midst of a four and eight season because he would just open himself up to get blasted instead of like, oh, hey, it's this viral recruiting video. He's got this unique window right now where he can tweak his image a bit before he ever coaches a game. And honestly, for him, that's not the worst thing in the world. As I said before with his awful attempt at a Southern accent, this is a guy who is trying to fit in. Trying being a very key verb in this. I mean that as a positive. He's also a guy who's trying to stand out at the same time. You know what this reminds me of? When Jim Harbaugh got to Michigan. Jim Harbaugh's out here taking off his shirt at satellite camps, he's sleeping over at kicker's houses, he's jumping into pools in full khaki. Harbaugh wanted to change his his reputation in the recruiting world and not be known as the guy who got burnt out in the NFL. So he just started having fun with it. Kelly clearly wants to change his reputation in the recruiting world and not be known as the guy who got burnt out at Notre Dame. So clearly he's having fun with it. If it means getting made fun of a little bit, fine, whatever. LSU's recruiting department will sit here and tackle as millions of people see harmless, harmless 16-second videos of their new coach trying to become this fun version of himself. Because believe it or not, it's actually really hard to go viral for harmless content. We think it's super easy just because 14-year-olds on TikTok can do it, but I actually think it's more difficult because of how saturated content is, yep. and how you kind of have to diversify. And it's just not exactly a thing that's a given with all these recruitment videos. And you can't just throw on Air Jordans with a pair of pleated khakis and hope that's going to go viral. Sorry to you, Dan Mullen. You can keep looking at Brian Kelly like he's the drunk guy at the wedding. And in the event that his team is 7-5 and in year one, you know he's going to get more people laughing at him and they're going to bring up the videos because that's the way the internet works. But Brian Kelly is laying the foundation. And whether you realize it or not, he's already changed what you think of him in the last two months. Will, LSU fan, are you cringing watching this stuff? Or are you just saying, you know what, the net result is there
1: yeah i mean so for me like i work in social right so like i'm (laughs) like maybe it's a little bit too meta but every time i see one of these it makes me laugh in a way that almost nothing ever has before i think it's so funny i just like going back to the whole what was your opinion of brian kelly thing it's like we, uh, across college football, didn't really like him. And a lot of that was the fact that he was the face of Notre Dame and kind of the face of, you know, a a brand of Northern football. Not maybe Ohio State's all of Northern football, but Notre Dame's kind of right there. It's about how football should be played. We got Newt Rockney and the Gipper and like all this different stuff. And in the South, we don't really view football that way. And I think that, you know, everybody, when he jumped from Notre Dame, (laughs) there's different kinds of like hurt on the internet, right? I think that a lot of the brian kelly hurt wasn't oh my god i don't like brian kelly it was how could brian kelly leave notre dame which we up north in the national media thought was this powerhouse that could not be topped and go down to lsu which had just come off of a six and six season so if you look at the people who are genuinely furious about these videos a lot of them are people like brady quinn a lot of them are people that are like oh oh you know that's not becoming of a coach like who cares that's kind of what i think and and like, same thing with Lane Kiffin, it's like, man, like, Lane Kiffin, you're out here wearing oversized hoodies and cars that aren't yours, and Brian Kelly's already beating you at recruiting and you're one. So, like, I don't want to hear anything out of this, out of Lane Kiffin about this, first off, because it's like, buddy, whatever you're doing is, you're getting skunked by this guy. But anyway, so I think it all comes down to, do the players commit? Do the teams win? exactly what you said man and like everyone I was joking about with Walker Howard oh no the number one quarterback in the class when he was healthy is dancing with our head coach oh I'm so embarrassed oh no (laughs) it's like yeah that's the number one quarterback in the class again he got hurt so he dropped off the rankings but it's like I'm excited that that three-star like tight end you were talking about is a guy that's been rising up boards he was in a dogfight I mean I've seen lots of like BAM recruiting sites and Florida recruiting sites tweeting about him because they want him. So at the end of the day, exactly what you said, if that's what these recruits want to participate in, it's not like he's holding a gun to their heads. And like, that's the funny yeah. thing. It's if people are acting like he's holding these kids hostage. It's like, they're having fun on a recruiting visit, just cause it doesn't look like you think it should. You know, and and, and one more thing, you know, people talk about him fitting into the culture of Louisiana. That dude looks like my dad at a wedding. That's why I think it's so funny. Because at the end of the day, the whole Brian Kelly culture thing is so funny to me because people outside of Louisiana want to tell me what Louisiana is about every day of my life. And it's so insulting because people think that we are all swamp people. People think that we're all Kocho. You know what, most people in Louisiana look a lot like, like Brian Kelly on a dance floor. And I'm sure those dads are loving that. I'm sure they're eating it up. And at the end of the day, you know what I'm saying? You don't have to be the Lane Kiffin. You don't have to be the cool guy that gets the tweets off. You just got to win. And you got to recruit. And right now, he has like a historic transfer class in year one. He's, He's doing what we talked about Michigan State did, you know, in year one. Rebuilding their whole roster. Recruiting from need and for
0: Michigan. Michigan. No, 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 Michigan you state- t- Oh, you're talking about, oh, yeah, with Mel Tucker. Yeah, with Mel Tucker. Yeah, man, with Mel Tucker. I, my, I, I should have prefaced
1: that because you were just talking about Michigan. You're right. But what Mel Tucker did in year one, bringing yeah. all these transfers in, the way he's handled recruiting is nothing short of a masterclass so far as a transition class. So if you look at the guys that are committing, if you look at the transfers and positions of need, I'm sitting here looking at the facts. And people want to talk about opinions, and y'all can have your opinion. Y'all can keep that, man.
0: What if Kelly had come in and been Kirk Ferentz, with his old social media policy, which mm-hmm. only was laid to rest in the wake of the Black Lives Matter movement, and mm-hmm. people don't really talk about that. Like Iowa players weren't allowed to tweet until June of 2020. Really? That, that no, was, I didn't that know That was a real thing. And there, there are a couple, there are a handful of coaches who still like ha- have that policy. And if, if that impresses mom and dad, like that, then so be it. That's totally fine. What if Brian Kelly came into this new job, this new experience at LSU with that approach? and also took the Dabo Sweeney approach of a one way street with the transfer portal. Mm -hmm. Hey, that's not the way that we're gonna build our roster. That's not what we're about here. We believe in recruiting and developing through our own system and doing things that way and not participating in college football free agency. If Brian Kelly had stood tall on those two principles and said, I'm gonna do it old fashioned. I know the way to win football games. I'm gonna be stubborn. I'm gonna show this unwillingness to evolve Sure, he might have impressed. There are, there are people listening to this right now who would say, yeah, give me some of that. That's what wins football games. And I have no problem with a coach being a disciplinarian. We need more of that in the sport. And there's something to be said for that. Don't get it twisted. But if he had come into this job thinking that he had everything figured out and he's going to be stubborn and he's not going to be open to new ideas, I would hate that. I would absolutely hate that. I'm not saying that going viral on these videos is going to win you football games. Spot foundation time right now. You're trying to build that roster back up. You're trying to separate yourself in an extremely competitive recruiting market. You want to keep that stranglehold on the state of Louisiana. That is your job. And what's he done so far? That. So I'm, I'm thinking this is absolutely a win for Brian Kelly so far, despite the fact that, um, yeah, those quote tweet numbers are pretty high.
1: Dude, you you nailed that. It's, it's it's everybody said he couldn't recruit here. He doesn't fit the culture. He's not any fun. He comes out, he starts recruiting, having fun. People are mad at that. So what are you mad? At? You know what right? I'm People are gonna get mad no matter what. That's, exactly, exactly that's what you works. said, bro. Exactly. You hit the nail on the head. It's like yeah, if he came down here and tried to run LSU like Notre Dame, like everyone told us he would, it would Can't be a problem. Can't play freshman. Yeah.
0: That's another big thing that we don't that you brought up before about Notre Dame and like their their reluctancy to play kids early on. Like if he's talking about stuff like that. I, you're not making headway. You're just not. That's yep. not the way this works in the 21st century.
1: Yep. They, again, they wanted to tell us how he was, that he was stuck in his ways. He changed his ways. They don't like that. So at the end of the day, man, I, like I said, you talk about Frank Wilson. Some of these guys they brought in on the recruiting front are like lights out yeah. hires. So it's going to be fun, man, especially, you know, with the Florida staff coming from Louisiana, Alabama's always had a presence in Louisiana. This is going to be an incredibly fun recruiting landscape just across the Southeast with AM doing everything they're doing, Texas, Oklahoma coming in. Like I, I like our guy right now, man. I think that, you know, a lot of SEC tools do, but I think that the recruiting landscape is going to be more fun than ever going forward.
0: I got another thought about the guy that we talked about very briefly in that um, in that Brian Kelly discussion. I find myself blindly trusting Lane Kiffin to take another step. Brandon Marcello had this great observation about Lane that I saw on Friday. Here was his tweet. Is Ole Miss reloading or rebuilding? Matt Corral to the NFL, 28 players to the transfer portal or the NFL, OC to OU, talking about Jeff Levy, DC to AM, we're talking about DJ Durkin, GM gone, strength coach to Oregon. This is what happens when you have a historically good season. Guys like that leave. They leave, they get better jobs. That's a sign of, hey, we're we're believing in what you're selling and we want a piece of what you were just able to do when you built this regular season for the ages at Ole Miss. I mean, let's, let's call it what it is, most regular season wins that they've had in program history. Context is everything. We talked about the mass personnel exodus with Brian Harson, who, oh, by the way, just kind of said hi and bye to an offensive coordinator, TBD on that whole situation. Look, like the, the offensive Lord.
1: coordinator said bye to him. <laughs> I don't oh think he was saying bye
0: to that guy. Yeah, good, good point, good point. I phrased that incorrectly. We talked about that last week and how we react differently to that when a team ends with like a five-game losing streak and how it felt more like a situation like people didn't want to be a part of that as opposed to what Lane is doing and what we're seeing now with that personnel turnover. I saw all of those things that Brandon brought up, and rightfully so, and I thought, well, I'm just trusting Lane to keep this thing afloat because I saw all of these people sort of doubting Ole Miss in the way-too-early top 25s that came out. Like, of the four publications that I saw, two had Ole Miss unranked, one had Ole Miss at number 23, and Sporting News had Ole Miss at number 19. If you go by the Emanuel Ocho standard and only count top 20 instead of top 25, that means only one of those four publications thinks that Ole Miss is on that level to start. Mm-hmm. I get that, because at the time, that was just after we watched luke Altmeyer struggle in the sugar bowl we didn't know who the quarterback transfer was going to be at the time we kind of assumed that there would be one but we had to evaluate the roster based on where it was at at that specific time we just knew that it was going to be a lot of turnover on offense and that dj durkin was off to a i i'm repeating myself here but you get what i'm saying Ole miss is going to be a very very different football team with its personnel This might not be good analysis. I I don't often say that on this podcast. I pride myself on trying to figure some of these things out. But with Lane, I find myself saying, yeah, I get all that. But I think Lane is just going to figure it out. A lot of that is the quarterback thing. Everyone who listens to this podcast knows that I love Misa Matt Corral. And if anyone minimizes what that kid meant to the university, I'd be happy to set them straight. I'm not saying that Matt Corral is a system quarterback, so don't get this twisted here. What I am saying is that I don't think he's irreplaceable, and that's obviously because of Lane. I know we talk about how good Lane is at quarterback sometimes, but I think the Twitter persona, the Joey Freshwater thing, it's almost overshadowed just how ridiculously good his track record has been since he was left on the tarmac. 2014, Blake Sims, easily the least amount of hype of any Alabama quarterback in recent memory. Lane revamps the entire offense with the threat of Saban in his ear hole every time he doesn't run the ball enough, and Kiffin guides Sims to second-team All-SEC honors. 2015 Jake Coker, the guy who got beat out on two different occasions at two different schools. He takes over and no, he didn't have an all-conference season, but easily the least talented quarterback that Kiffin has had at a Power 5 program played in three do-or-die games and Coker averaged 275 passing yards with 10.2 yards per attempt and he didn't turn the ball over once for an Alabama team who won a national title. As I always say, go back to that Michigan State game. That game plan was brilliant and coker was brilliant in it when everybody and their mother expected derrick henry to get 40 plus carries in that one 2016 jalen hurts true freshman who became sec offensive player of the year and was a pick play away from winning a national title depending on who you ask but don't ask kiffin because he obviously wasn't calling plays that night and sark was the fall guy for all of that by the way we're not even really doing the team stuff yet because i know some people will just be like oh anybody can do that at bama whatever 2017 FAU. We want to talk about team stuff. Mm-hmm. 2017 FAU, a program who was working on eight consecutive years without a bowl berth before Lane arrived and had the number 80 offense in FBS. No big deal, 11 wins, top 10 offense with Jason Driscoll going from a bad start going from being a bad starting quarterback to a conference USA honorable mention guy. Dude isn't even the best quarterback in his own family. <laughs> Shout out to Jeff Driscoll. Shout out Orlando as well. By the way, Derek Stingley—not Derek Stingley—Devin Singletary, <laughs> a little bit different. Sorry, got a little bit too fast there. Devin Singletary went for being a good player; he he turned into like the 2015 version of Derek Henry that season for what he meant to FAU that year. But we're just focusing on the quarterbacks here, just the quarterbacks. 2018 FAU, eh, kind of a mess. Lane's like, well better figure something out. And uh, yeah, they ended up having the number 13 rushing offense in the country, even though everyone knew that FAU just didn't have a guy who could really replace Driscoll and Singletary was gonna get all the work. But if you actually looked at that a little closer, you're like, oh, Chris Robison, or Robison, I say that all the time. I always butcher his name. He was lights out in the red zone and that was a nice foundation to build on for someone who was thrown into the fire because when you're the head coach at FAU, sometimes you just kind of have to deal with those years when you replace your starter and a guy has to learn on the fly and it doesn't really look all that great for a little bit. And that's what 2018 was 2019 though at FAU back on track. Robinson becomes a first-team all-conference guy, 28 touchdowns, cuts the picks in half, and FAU is back to double-digit wins. So 2020 old miss. I banged the drum for John Rice Plumley, and I know I wasn't alone. Kiffin decides, no, 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 We're gonna give Macarell the off. Macarel is gonna have the offense, and Macarell instead just instead of making this a quarterback battle, all he does is go out there and lead the number seven passing attack in the country for an offense that improved by 13 points per game. Mm-hmm. 2021 Ole Miss, Corral, All-SEC guy who leads Ole Miss to its best regular season win total in school history. Have I convinced you yet that Lane Kiffin knows what he's doing? Maybe. Hopefully. I don't know. Lane just always seems to figure it out. In that eight-year stretch, that 2018 FAU team was the only offense that ranked worth the number 30 in the country. Blake Sims, Jalen Hurts, Jason Driscoll, Chris Robinson, Matt Corral. They earned all-conference honors working with Lane. And the only guy who didn't was Jake Coker, who I'd say was good enough. And well, good enough when it mattered. And he absolutely looked like an all-conference guy when it counted down the stretch for Alabama when it was trying to close the door on a national championship. All of them, I'd argue, at least had some sort of initial pushback as to whether or not they could be the guy before their seasons as starters in Lane's offense. All Lane continues to do is play the hand that he's dealt yeah a lot of <laughs> lane's hand and the way that he's had to rebuild his reputation that's his own doing and we're not trying to sweep that under the rug that's that's a real thing he spent seven years building his reputation back up just so that he'd have a chance to watch his team get picked apart by all these programs looking for answers and so now lane will have his seventh starting quarterback during that stretch in jackson dart It was only a matter of time before Lane got someone with a name so built to play the position at a high level. (laughs) All time name, Jackson Dart, I don't care how it turns out, all name team forever, that's not in question. Lane really hasn't had like that that big time, like early in his career type of transfer at a power five program. Now, obviously he had had that with Robinson at FAU who was an Oklahoma transfer, but this is a little bit different for him and what Dart brings to the table and i'm not really going to do the thing where i overreact to the transfer quarterback because he's still not going to have he's still going to have to learn just like corral did about not forcing throws and so much of whether or not jackson dart becomes a thing in the sec is going to depend on his ability to learn lane's offense i'd expect to still see levy principles with that as well we're going to see the the baylor stuff all over this offense they're going to run tempo they're going to do that stuff even though levy isn't there anymore charlie weiss jr is i'm not worried about that either because he was with lane at fau and he was even an analyst at alabama on kiffin's offensive staff so lane just lost one of his best players in program history quarterback and oh, by the way, another five star tailback who started for three years and he just kind of casually goes out there and gets Jackson Dart and Zach Evans to fill those holes. You're keeping track at home, 247 Sports Transfer Portal class rankings, Ole Miss is number one in the country. And yes, Lane tweeted that out. Of course he did, why wouldn't he? That's a coach who has things figured out. So while everyone is gonna break down the, the offensive turnover and whether or not D.J. Durkin's loss is going to be really significant. I'm instead going to bank on a few things with Lane. The offense will carry the defense. I believe that. My guess is that it'll be a top 20 offense with as much big playability as any offense in the SEC because the thing we've kind of overlooked is that they're absolutely loaded with experience on the offensive line and they might have a top three group in the conference. You better believe that matter to Jackson Dart and Zach Evans where they th- those guys had plenty of options and I'm sure that was a big time selling point for them. In the last two years, we watched Kiffin go a combined 15 and eight despite the fact that he did defense that was I'd say mediocre at best for half of that time. That's playing in the toughest division in college football and mostly with somebody else's players from recruiting classes that had sanctions hanging over them. Even with the horrific defense in 2020, we still saw Ole Miss at least be middle of the pack with the ability to go toe to toe with Alabama. Do I think Chris Kiffin and Chris Partridge are about to lead a group as bad as that? No, especially not with how well Lane is recruited both at the high school level and in the transfer portal. It is perfectly fair to point out all that Ole Miss has lost and how pivotal of a juncture this is for Lane becoming a top 10 coach in this sport. But as long as Lane is on that sideline, I think he's earned some blind trust to keep Ole Miss in the hunt. Will, how are we feeling about Lane going into 2022?
1: Man, <clears throat> you're probably going to hate me for this take. So the thing that gets me about Layton Kiffin, right? Um, okay, so for SDS a couple of years ago, right, I talked to Ryan Mallett and I asked him I said hey um, what was it like to play for Bobby Petrino and he said you know we both knew where we were trying to go i was there for a reason he was there for a reason that's kind of it that's what a lot of lane kiffin's career has been so far it's been a lot of okay i'm here for now where am i going in the future and the thing about lane kiffin that kind of makes me a little bit unsure about him is i'm not at this moment right now okay not maybe different in a month maybe different in a year who knows not sure if he wants to be Ole Miss' coach long-term. If he made a career vision board, is I want to be Ole Miss' coach for five, six, seven years. Is that what he wants to do? And when you talk about coaching turnover, okay, it's fine to lose a guy like Levy to Oklahoma. That's his alma mater. Fine. DJ Durkin goes to A&M. You know, they have more money than God. That's fine. That's a, you know a top whatever job. When you start losing guys like Kevin Smith to Miami, to me, it's like, these guys are jumping off the ship because they don't really know where the ship is going. So I think that as an offensive mind, he's a genius. I mean, he could be top, you know, five in the world. You know, I think he could be. I think he could be a fine NFL head coach at this point in his career. But I think he knows that too. And I think that there's going to be a guy, be it Arch Manning, be it Jackson Dart, I don't know what it is that you're hoping will change that opinion of him, his opinion about Ole Miss. But every program. <laughs> Big time program in this last search. You know, when you talk to guys close to the program, they were like, Yeah, we feel like we could probably make a run at Lane Kiffin if we wanted to. And that to me is the root of a lot of the, of the coaching staff turnover. I don't think it's as much about being successful. Because if you look at these guys that have been successful at these like non tier one schools, talk about, you know, Dan Mullen at Mississippi State, uh, we talk about Stoops at um, UK, they tend to, you know, keep guys around because of their culture. I don't really know if Lane has that part of it figured out. He's a great offensive mind, but in terms of making guys believe that he's there for the long term, in, ter- in terms of trusting him, in terms of you know building something that is standing, it still to me feels transactional with him. And over the course of years and years of getting that vibe, it's gonna be harder and harder to do that. So, like you said, this is kind of year one of that, where it's like, oh, gotta replace all these culture- coaches, gotta replace all this stuff. He's out there crushing the transfer portal, doing a bunch of great stuff. But after like year three or four of that, it's like, okay, let's look at this vision board. Are we really trying to do this every year? I think that Ole Miss has shown, you know, going all the way back, all the way back to Hugh Freeze, as much as you know people want to bemoan Hugh Freeze, Ole Miss as an administration has done enough to me to prove that they want to be like cusp tier one program, a team that can be right there competing at the end of the year. It's what they were this year, you know what I'm saying? They want to invest. They want to get the splashy hire. They want to do these kinds of things, um, especially in the SEC West. So it's, does he trust that administration? to equip him to win and, and to make him a happy man long-term? That's my biggest question for Lynn Kiffin. Because it's never about his stats. It's never about his quarterback development. But if you look at all these places, right? Singletary, why are you there? Get to the NFL. Why are you here? Get to the NFL. He, You know, in, a, in Alabama, he was a great OC. But the minute he saw something better, dipped out. And I'm wondering what that's going to be for him. If there's a place I push in his... back on that. You've... Okay, good. let's hear it. Yeah, I, I push back on that. So, like, I mean,
0: Singletary was there before Kiffin was there. Like... No, I know. But it's in
1: everyone's interest to be pulling the same direction. You see what I'm saying?
0: Yeah, yeah, I get that. I, I think that we are holding on to some pre-2014 type stuff with him. And,
1: and understandably so. I'm talking about that, this coaching cycle now. That's what I'm talking no, about. Because no, when you I get talk that. to people within those coaching searches, they were like, if we wanted Lane Kiffin, we but could have Lane him? Kiffin. I don't but think did anybody they? really wanted him. Like, just I think Ole
0: Miss... I, I think Ole Miss has has done what it can to try and keep Lane happy, and I think that when a program like Miami throws that out there, that that's all of a sudden going to be a real thing. Like, I, I don't think this was a situation in which Ole Miss was like, "Oh no, we can't do anything to prevent Lane from going to Miami." Like, in my in my opinion, like that's that's just not the way that that played out. And I think that you could look at those some of those specific cases and say, "Yeah, maybe maybe one of those guys." Maybe Kevin Smith getting getting a raise to go to a place like Miami and getting getting a coach at a, at a program like that. Yeah, and maybe maybe he did kind of look at the situation and say, "All right, you know what? I, I want to go to a, a place where I feel like this coach is going to be here for the long haul." That might have impacted some of these guys, and I, I can't speak on Durkin's motivations of, of, of what his end game ultimately um, ultimately is. And I oh, think they got more money than God. Coach. Like I said,
1: I'm not ever yeah. the A and M bag is all knowing. But
0: remember when everybody's like, oh, yeah, Lane's leaving FAU after one year. Stay for three. I mean, staying, staying for three was a lot. Like, if there would have been an over-under, go back, seriously, go back to some of these takes in 2016. Mm-hmm. 2016, after he has three years as Alabama's offensive coordinator, and he takes the FAU job. And everybody is speculating before that year and then after that year when he wins 11 games. When's Lane going to the SEC? When's Lane going to the SEC? And instead, he stayed there. I, I bet the over under on on years stayed would have been like two, probably. And I bet he would have st- like that. So he would have hit the over by staying for three. I think, assuming that Lane at this point in his life, where he's still young enough, I think assuming that he's automatically going to bolt the second like the second another opportunity comes comes his way. I think that's still holding on to some stuff that, like, obviously he went through at Tennessee, of course. And then even, you know, some of the, the stuff with his attitude with the NFL and taking that Raiders opportunity. Like, I think Lane has been humbled. And I've, I've kind of been banging that drum for a bit. So, if I, like, so do we want to put, like, a, a number on how many years we think he'll be at Ole Miss? Like, do you think, do you think, do you think this would be his last year at no, Ole Miss if no, he has no, like, no, a good team?
1: No, no. But that's what I'm saying about, like, college football is like, what type of role does he want to have? So, like, okay, do you think he'll be there in four years? Because that's a recruiting class.
0: Four years from now. Hmm.
1: That's, like, right on the edge. That's, like, right on the edge for me. If you really on, think I'll about it, it. I'm, I'm not... I don't have a wild he's leaving in six months take. I have a... Is Lane Kiffin gonna be you know, the Steve Spurrier of Ole Miss? I don't think he I'll will. S- I'll say yes, I'll say yes. I think I
0: think the sport is structured a little bit differently now with the money mm-hmm. and what these programs are able to pay. I mean, we're living in a time in which Kentucky's football coach is making over $6 million a year. Yeah. I, I think the sport is structured a little bit differently to have more sustainability at that level. Now, who knows? If, <laughs> if Lane's holding out for the Bama job and if he wants to replace Saban, um, never, say never with this stuff. But I think he's in for the long haul at Ole Miss. Like I, I truly believe that. And so, yeah, I'll, and I'll take it on the chin if, if I'm wrong about that. And I'm not necessarily guaranteeing that he's gonna stay at Ole Miss for life or anything like that. But um, I, I think as it, as it relates to just 2022, I think his outlook is better than what you would probably say if you just looked at that
1: snapshot that Brandon provided. Yes, that okay. being my main. Point. I have derailed your segment once again. I'm sorry. No, you you're fine. What I'm no, saying you're fine. It. It's all. But it's all related. You see what I'm saying? Because and like I said, it yeah. might be Arch Manning. He might get Archman and go. I do kind of like Mississippi a little bit. I like being at Mississippi with Arch Manning, and that stuff fixes itself. You know what I'm saying? I just think he's kind of in this period right now where it's like he's going to have to do the full rebuild. He's going to have to prove to everybody again that he's here to stay. And if he gets a good staff of coaches, guys that buy in, get some transfers, which he's already done, and then it's like this is, I think, the part that shows how long he's going to be at Ole Miss right now. You know what I'm saying? Yeah,
0: agreed, agreed. And, And maybe the transfer portal that that keeps coaches a little around a little bit longer and they don't have to look at a historic team and then be like oh man we got to develop another class and it's going to take another two three years to maybe get back to that level you can kind of keep that floor a little bit higher all right let's kick it to harrison bevis got to talk to the mizzou kicker about all things kicking nil coach drink and much much more first time we've ever had a kicker on the podcast so Really enjoyed getting to chat with one and a darn good one at that so it here is harrison meavis i'm now excited to be joined by a very special guest it is mizzou all-american kicker harrison meavis harrison i'm uh, i'm pretty sure that this is the first time that we've ever had a kicker on the podcast so i figured that yeah. starting with the best kicker in college football like that that's that's the way to to do it and, and before we get started I think you're overdue for a, uh, a bio change on all your, your social media accounts. You still have in there that you were an Under Armour All-American, which, is, of course, is an incredible achievement in high school. But I think you've earned the right to be able to flex as a college All-American now, right?
2: <laughs> Possibly. I mean, shoot. Uh, I mean, yeah, I guess you're probably right. I I, I mean, shoot. I, I take a lot of pride in that Under Armour All-American and, you know, what I achieved um, as, uh, as a high schooler. And so, um, I've always just kept that on there, <laughs> but you're right. It might be, it might be time for a change. We just,
0: we just add to it. You know, you could you could still have it in there. Just add to it. Like, Oh, college yeah, all American. Right. I could
2: add, add to add to make a little resume in my bio, add it to the resume.
0: I got a lot of different things that I want to get into with you. Let's let's start with uh, this merch because for those who don't know, and I'm not just saying like trust me, like I don't have to talk about merch, but. You have some of the best NIL gear that I have seen. You've got you. Thicker Kicker t-shirts. Oh, trust me. like it, it, It's awesome. If, if, for those who haven't seen this, you've got the Money, Money meebus t-shirts and another that's designed with you lining a kick up. I, I know that you worked with 573Ts and this started before your sophomore season. So tell us how that got going because usually kickers coming off of their true freshman seasons are pretty much just trying to become starters and not working on like NIL deals yeah. with t-shirts.
2: Yeah, no, you know, I think, uh, let's start it out at the beginning. Uh, my brand name, you know, m- most people called me by Money Meavis or Thicker Kicker. It kind of just started out like a a team thing, and, uh, Grant McInnes was a big part of it. He kind of came up with the Thicker Kicker. Jay Macklin called me Money Mevis all the time. Um, and, you know, uh, it was just a teammate thing, and, um i i had heard rumors about people wanting to buy shirts and stuff like that so i reached out to 573 t's because that's where they were wanting them from and uh made a deal with them and so we're selling shirts there you know it just kind of exploded from there so
0: you're built like a fullback now you were listed at uh you were 205 as a high school recruit i, I love that you have fully embraced being this 235 pound kicker please tell me that that decision was made solely for the purpose of being an enforcer to tackle SEC kick returners.
2: <laughs> no, yeah, I mean, shoot. In high school, my my high school coach wanted to start me at O line because I was one of the bigger guys. Um, no, but I I think it's just my own identity. Um, you know, you see a lot of. Um, I, I I think it's more of an advantage for me being a bigger guy to be a kicker, just because um, that's kind of how um, the SEC—that's how college football and more so the NFL—you see kickers. There's not not too many like skinny guys. You know they want guys that are, um, you know, that have a lot of stamina in in their leg strength and stuff like that. So I think it's um, it helps me, and it's kind of my identity. Um, And I'm not trying to follow anyone else, and I want to kind of be my own guy. So,
0: do you train then differently than like what? maybe kickers that you uh, were with in in high school or going to some of these camps and stuff, like the Coles camp. Like, is it different for you now? Do you basically lift the same way that you would if you were, you know, like a a defensive back or something like that, just trying to to, to keep on mass?
2: Yeah. Um, You know, I I, I think personally in high school, um, I probably lifted more weights in high school. More weight, not not more in like – Overall, I'm talking about, like, weight. I I lifted a lot more weight in high school. I think here in college we've kind of gone through and made it more, uh, how do I say this, more kicker-like. So I'm doing more flexibility drills. I'm doing more explosiveness. It's not so much weight. It's moving the weight faster and less weight. Um, It's just gaining explosive uh, movements and stuff like that. Flexibility has obviously been big. Um, and obviously keeping it well-rounded with upper body, um, upper, upper body weights and stuff like that. So, um, I think it's more strategic when, when it comes to college lifting. So
0: they're, they're not sitting there having you do like max bench or something like that, right? No,
2: no. I don't think I've ever maxed since I've been here. We did max in high school. Um, I've never had to max here in college. They kind of know where I'm at and we kind of just be smart with it. So.
0: The uh, the Boston College game winner, fifty six yards. The force overtime. You, you didn't end up winning, getting to win that game, but it felt very much like a coming out party for you nationally. I know, obviously, within that locker room, you are obviously really well respected, but I, I know you had that that freshman season. But did teammates or or coach drink? Did they look at you differently after that one?
2: Um, you know, that's not really something that I really thought of. Um, I. I Really, I just took it as, you know, I did my job, um, and I tried doing my best to help the team in any way possible. Um, I know that was a big kick, but I think it was just a thing where I just did my job and I gave my team another shot to win on Saturday. So, um, you know, I think that's all it was. It wasn't too big of a moment or anything like that for me, so.
0: I mean, in that moment though, and I always thought that that's kind of the worst spot for a kicker to be in. Where you're just trying to force a tie because if you miss it, you're you got to sit there and and as you know, the game yeah. turns out Boston College like all everybody rushes the field that game and it's this same yeah. because of the way that it ends. But like if you miss in that spot, it's just it just seems like there's a lot more downside than upside in that moment. Yeah. Do you approach that differently at all, or is it pretty much just yeah. the same thing for you?
2: No, I I definitely it's a mentality thing. I think I go into that into those situations where. You have to think all upside where you can't think negative about anything. You have to be ready to win the game at all, you know, at all times. And I think being any time or like anytime you're negative during those um, instances where it could come down to one last kick, you know, you can't be negative. So um, it just, any, when it could, <laughs> that's a good, that was a fun situation to be in actually for me because like um, I kind of thrive in the, Moment where um, everyone's watching me, and it kind of gives me more adrenaline to do my job. Uh, I, when going into that, I, I kind of felt like I knew I was going to make it. Um, you know, so uh, actually, I, I probably knew I was going to make it as soon as they scored. Like I just wanted a shot at it, and that was kind of the mentality that I had. And that's the mentality that you got to have, especially um, in these days of football. So, um, yeah, I think I think you do have to approach it differently. But everything is the same.
0: What do you What do you tell Coach that Is, is your range? Yeah, no, I I get that, and I and I've wondered about that because <laughs> it does feel like yeah. so much of this like has to be psychological because you've done this yeah. countless times with all the reps that you've got. Yeah. But like when you're when you're there on the sidelines, like. Is, is he saying to you, like, hey, where can you get this from? And I'm sure it's got to depend on field conditions and a bunch of different things and stuff. But, like, in that moment, are you telling him, like, hey, just get it to the 39 and we'll be good? Or, like, did you have a specific spot in mind? Or do you at oh, the end of games? No, no, no,
2: no. Uh, no, no specific spot. They – shoot, we were, we were actually – we were ready to go out for a 61, I believe. Um, and then drink call – we had, like, what? I think four, four or five seconds left and we were, we were ready to go out for a 61. Um, and then we, we decided to run a quick play and luckily they got me another, I believe six yards, six or seven. I don't know what it it was, but, um, it put, set me up for a 56. So, um, yeah, I mean, realistically, it's, we're going to take a shot at kicking it no matter what. I think they, they trust my leg and my distance. And so, I mean, at that point we just got to take a shot, um, at kicking it. So I, I knew I was, you know, prepared for the moment, and whatever they needed, so.
0: There was a uh, a clip that came out over the weekend with Coach Drink sitting courtside at a Mizzou basketball game, and he did the he did the three goggles uh, on the side of his head.
2: Yeah, I, I, I saw that. Look,
0: I I think he he we we need to see him do that for you too, no?
2: Oh <laughs> uh, well, I mean, yeah, maybe I don't I don't know. sure I think more so in in game when it's in game moment, I think Drink's already ready to call the next play, or he's thinking about the next play. So, I mean, shoot. Sure. I mean, yeah, especially in that Boston College moment, you know, um, we still have more, as soon as I put it through, we got more overtime to play, so, I mean, um, we're just trying to stay focused on the job and the next play, so. And I think that's kind of been a motto for our our team, kind of, you know, focusing on this play, this play mentality, and next play, so.
0: I was going to say, do you have coaches that have, like, pulled you aside in moments that you've missed, which have been probably few and far between in your career, but where like they've just like ripped into you and it's like look man i i get it i missed the kick i'm out there to be able to kick you blasting me doesn't doesn't do anything like have you ever been scolded in a situation like that at at any level in football for something that happened on the field
2: um you know I, i i can't believe i can say i don't know if i can say that i have um you know i think it's a thing where if i miss you know i know personally that i'm not ne- i'm as a goal i don't want to miss twice but um i don't think i've ever really been scolded for missing a kick um you know does a fantastic job coaching me and you know pushing me to be my best but i don't think he's ever or any of the coaches have ever scolded me i think they have a very high expectation for me and i think that's the way it should be but you know i i don't think they've ever there's no you know It's not really about what I've done. If even if I miss, it's about what I can do and what expectations I have. So I mean, realistically, I know my expectations, and I don't think you know missing a kick is going to affect that um, because I know I'm going to make the next kick.
0: So for those
2: who are mentality and stuff. So
0: for sure, for sure. So for for those who are listening to this at home, they, they don't know probably of your consistency unless they're unless they're a Mizzou fan, but. On top of going 3-for-3 three three on the 50-yard the kicks this past year, you made 13 consecutive field goals from less than 40 yards. And if we're including extra points, that's something like, I don't know, 72 consecutive kicks inside that number dating back to that lone short-range miss you had in 2020 against Florida. I just did the announcer's yeah. jinx on you. Um, have you ever felt the announcer's jinx in your career?
2: No, no, no. That's No, I have not. I, I've heard there is a curse, though, but I, I don't believe – I mean, I don't th- I don't think it affects me. I think um, there's little – I think in my two misses that I had this year, which is too many in my opinion, I, I know exactly what I did on those certain kicks, and I think um, I've watched those kicks multiple, multiple times, and I know exactly what I've done wrong with those. So I don't think it's exactly on the reporter's job or, you know, the jinx or whatever, so –
0: laces out is that a a real thing or is it just a convenient excuse of a kicker no
2: i i don't shoot some kickers are very like weird about um the certain balls they kick or how they kick it with laces or if they you know have laces they blame it on the kicker i i'm not going to blame anything on my holder or snapper um you know i have complete faith in them even if shoot i told grant this last year to give me laces in practice so if we do get in that situation you know i i'm not gonna i know how to you know improvise and you know make the kick so i i don't think for me it's gonna affect me mentally i'm still gonna make the kick no matter what so
0: i love that just hey screw it man just give me just give me the ball i'll kick it through the uprights <laughs> don't worry about yeah it.
2: laces in laces yeah. out we're
0: gonna find a way that's all kickers should be like that <laughs> yeah so I, I want to go back to uh, to, to kind of your, your origins here and coming through the ranks and stuff, because it's a little, a little bit different for kickers than it is for a typical you know, high school recruit. How, how did you end up at Mizzou? Because you committed to, to Barry Odom's staff, but you're a kid yeah. from the, the small town of Warsaw, Indiana, about two hours away from Indy, where a certain Pat McAfee, Adam Vinatieri, they were special teams yeah. legends. You, you, as we mentioned earlier, Under Armour All-American, so I got to imagine you have plenty of options as well. How did that, that whole recruiting process go down for you?
2: Yeah, um, you know, as a kicker, you're kind of recruited late. Um, kind of the last one to kind of be added to the crew, you know what I mean? And it's um, just different. You're kind of like quarterback. You have to be seen in person and um, to really like be scouted or anything like that, you can't really just watch film. Um, for, when I was being recruited, I was recruited by Andy Hill. He was special teams coordinator here at the time. I believe I made like, Four or five trips to Missouri to come and kick in front of him, and he finally um, pulled the trigger in the middle of soccer season for me because I was playing, pulling double duty. I played soccer. Um, I was the goalkeeper, and at high school, and then obviously kicked on Fridays. But um, he finally pulled the trigger late one late night after a soccer game, and um, you know he, I, I believe he asked me if I'd commit um, the day, uh, commit if I off, or if he if he offered me. And I said, yeah, why not Mizzou? So, you know, I I just see this place as an opportunity. I saw it as an opportunity to start immediately. Um, I absolutely loved the atmosphere that was here. I loved the school, you know, the really good business school that I'm going into um, and getting a degree there. Um, And, you know, I just love the fact that it's SEC football. Everyone wants to play in big league football. This This is as big as it gets in college football. So, I mean, why not Mizzou? Did you have
0: all the uh, viral kicking videos? Like, what's what's the longest kick you made in a workout or, or a game that was was caught on video? And I guess that question can be separated into pre-college and then since you arrived at Mizzou.
2: Yeah, um, you know, in practice, I've I've gone back to seventy with wind at my back, but you know, just that those kind of instances. I think um, both coaches that I've had like kicking coaches coach link and uh, coach Cole Richards who was my uh, kicking coach back in back in high school they they kind of despise me going past 50 because kicking in itself every ball you kick is the same there's no difference to it I think there's there could be some mentality barriers with that um, you can change your mentality about a kick but every kick is the same from a pat to a 50 yarder so they kind of despise me going back um, too far just because it puts too much strain on my leg in I feel like I mean even if even though it's the same kick um you could still train you know at a decent um length there's uh you know uh you call it distance and my one of my goals for the season really is just to be perfect from 45 and in so um you know that's something that I'm kind of just focusing on I'm not trying to over kick and Um, kick these long field goals but yeah I I mean I've gone back to 70 I know where I know I feel like I have one of the strongest legs in the country Um, and so I mean there's no doubt about it in my mind and you know so not really something that I go out and make viral videos about I think it's cool that you can do that but you know what can you do when everyone's not watching and you know I think it shows up on Saturdays um, what I do when nobody's watching so
1: So
0: when you watch like the AFC championship and you see someone like Evan McPherson, take us through how you would approach that. Like it's a game winner. Uh, He's, he's obviously been automatic all year chip shot, but you know, he probably knows at that time where like, if you miss it for a franchise that hasn't been to a Super Bowl in 34 years, you're going to be the goat forever. Not necessarily like the good kind of goat. What would your process be like approaching that?
2: You know, it would be pretty similar to what he does. Uh, you, I think uh, what game was it? It was against uh, – what game was that? He Where he said he was going to win the – or it looks like we're going to the AFC Championship. Like, he has that mentality that he knows he's going to make a kick. Um, and he told Joe Burrow, you know, before he went out and he, that he was going to make a kick and it looks like we're going to the AFC Championship. That's the kind of mentality that he's had in the playoffs as you see he's perfect in the playoffs and he's carrying the team to the Super Bowl and so I think that's something that um, I can look to and you know kind of look at my game I feel like I have the same kind of mentality going into each of my kicks I know I'm going to make the kick and um, that's kind of the mentality that I have and I kind of see some similarities um, between us so
0: I got to ask then, have you ever called your shot in, in similar fashion and told somebody like, hey, we're about to win this game thanks to thanks to a game-winning kick that I'm about to deliver for us?
2: Yeah, I, I, I have actually, I believe, done that. I know half the – I mean, most of the time I tell Grant we're going to go win the game, especially against the or against Arkansas in 2020 when we hit that 32-yard game winner. As soon as Arkansas scored, he's like, all right, let's go win the game, you know. Um, and I'm like, yep, we're about to win the game. You know, before we went out to go take the kick, game-winning kick, and um, I've done that multiple times. So, um, yeah, I mean, but it all comes down to. It. I don't think it's that. I think it's just a mentality that you got to do your job and you got to got to go one and zero on every single kick that you possibly can, and um, that's just the mentality that you got to have. So.
0: Any weird superstitions that you do pregame? It sounds like in, in-game, you're pretty locked in. You're focused. There's not a whole lot there in terms of, like, different approach. Every kick's the same. But anything that you do pre-game or something like that to prepare to just kind of get your mind right and get you in that right place that maybe that people wouldn't exactly expect to hear from from a kicker?
2: Um, You know, not, not really. Uh, obviously, I think... It just it depends. As a kicker, really, it's compounded interest. So you're working all year towards a game and you're training and you're practicing your kicks and everything like that. I think everything that is different shows up in those instances. So um, some guys may work harder than others. I feel like I'm one of the hardest working kickers um, in the off season, and I think that's just one thing that shows. I don't think there's anything different that you can really do in a pregame or a warm-up. Um, I think there's you can just be different in the off season and how you are going about approaching the work that you do. Um, let me think. I, I'm on pregame. I don't think I really do anything different. I think it's all the same. I, I once as soon as we're running out of the tunnel, my my mind kind of switches. You know, it's it's kind of a um, okay focusing on the job at hand. Um, be ready for a kick in five minutes. You know. Um, it's, it's more so just a flip of a switch, not worried about anything else other than kicking the football. And that's probably the only thing that's different in pregame is I can flip a switch and I know I'm like, I'm ready to go. And I'm, shoot, every time I go on the field, I kind of have a blackout stage where I kind of don't really remember, like when I'm walking off field after making a kick, I kind of don't remember um, going out taking steps and kicking it. So, I think that's one thing where I go into a pregame. I kind of flip a switch and it kind of helps me. So, And it's just more black of a out switch. It's not really, yeah, what's
0: that? Yeah, just black out. That's that's the way to do it. Do that yeah. every time and it'll be perfectly it's fine. Pretty
2: much, it's pretty much my way of blocking out the noise and anything else that's going on other than me, my snapper and holder. So,
0: Harrison, this has been great. I want to get you out of here. Five rapid fire questions. Just first thing that comes to mind. Does that work for you? All right. True or false? You were named after Indiana legend and former president William Henry Harrison. Uh huh. False. All right, that's a bummer. <laughs> um, you grew up <laughs> yeah. not that far. Were you named after somebody else that wasn't William Henry Harrison?
2: Uh I don't know. Uh, I, yeah, I don't know. My my full name is Harrison Parker Mivas. I know my. I think my dad wanted to name me Parker and my mom wanted to name me Harrison. So that's kind of where they would just was. I don't think it was named after anyone. Um, I think they just like those names. So they just, maybe have three Parker. last names. I mean, two. you never know.
0: Oh, good point. Really, really no. good point. Um, no, you uh, second <laughs> one. You grew up not that far from South bend. Was Rudy offsides? Yeah.
2: Was Rudy offsides?
0: No. Yes. Okay. All right, fair. Just got a good break. Did you grow up like a Notre Dame fan? Uh,
2: no. I mean, I don't know. I watched Notre Dame pretty much um, whenever they were on. I watched them. I wouldn't call myself an, like a fan. I just liked watching them.
0: Yeah, they're, they're just always knowing on. their history
2: um, and and most of the people that I know or like around me were Notre Dame fans because we're like forty five minutes away from there. So, right,
0: right. Um, do you know what Wordle is? And if so, what's your streak at right now? Wordle? Yeah. It's the 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 Word game that is that has social media a buzz, and everybody tweets out their scores, and people are like, why are you doing that? That's really, really stupid. No, case, I, I, I don't scores. have Wordle.
2: No, I don't huh. have that.
0: It, just mix it in, kind of get the mind right a little bit. You talk about needing some, you know, like, if you need a superstition or something like that, just... Bust out the phone before the game. Start doing some word problems. You know, figure it out. It's it's very easy. <laughs> it's low maintenance.
2: Get you get your head right. Yeah, um, yeah. You'll,
0: you'll you'll probably you've probably seen it, and then just like you're like, oh, that's that's. What I might it is. but
2: have. Yeah, if I saw it, I'd probably know what it is.
0: Yeah, don't waste your time on that. I'm just kidding. Um, all right, <laughs> I'm gonna give you. Three options here and you've got to pick one and let's say one of these things could just happen at some point in 2022, but you get to choose which one you want. Are you A, dropping the hammer on a ball carrier in the open field B, executing the perfect fake field goal run to keep a drive alive or C, delivering the perfect onside kick
2: Uh, Probably delivering the perfect onside kick
0: Okay, and is that something where like it kickers like obviously they take a big point of pride in being able to 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 get possession like that and all those different things. But be honest with with us, if you nail that onside kick, how much of it is is luck?
2: Ah, uh, that's, that's a good question. I think it just you know it depends on how the ball balances, and I think it's it's there's a lot of luck that does happen in it. I just think there's you can do certain things with your onside that make it more likely to happen. Um, I would say it's, it's like 65% luck. You probably have a 40% 40 to 45 to 35% chance of getting it. You know, it, it's, it just depends on how you do it and how you approach it and how consistent you are with it. So All right,
0: fair enough. Fair enough. All right. Last one for you. People say that kickers aren't athletes. Tell those people why they are wrong.
2: kickers are athletes because um, you can relate kicking to just like golf and golfers are athletes as well. Um, You know, there's this, it's just like golf and bowling really, you know, you have a certain Mm -hmm. um, task that you're trying to accomplish every time and it's kind of a repetitive movement that you're doing, but there's definitely um, some athletic aspects that you have to have to do it. So not everyone can kick. I think it's, um, some, some genetics, some, you know, a lot of people have soccer backgrounds from the kicking motion. And I think that's kind of where I get my, you know, um, my kicking gig from. And so I, I think it's definitely, you definitely have to be an athlete to be a kicker. So,
0: I'm sold. Absolutely sold. Harrison, this has been really, really fun, man. Appreciate the time. Looking forward to seeing you kick and also seeing the bio update on all of your social media accounts.
2: <laughs> no doubt. Thanks for having me.
1: What's my destiny, mom? You're going to have to figure that out for yourself. Life is a box of chocolates, Forrest. You never know what you're going to get.
0: Figuring out, we're talking facial hair today. Um, as many of you know, I am a full-time beard guy. Mm-hmm. I went clean-shaven. A few months before we got married, about five and a half years ago. But other than that, last seven years, I can probably count the number of days in which I've been clean-shaven on one hand. And that—that's different than you know, trimming the neck or you know, trying to you know get lined up on the cheeks and stuff like that. But a little bit different. So I have a a, a history in facial hair that goes back to like eighth grade, and I'm not going to give you the play-by-play there. Um, But let's just say i had some very cringe moments mainly the sideburns that i rocked throughout high school
1: bro this picture Um, is electric dog if you guys haven't seen this go to the facebook group look at this picture he looks like like 25 cent he's got like
0: (laughs) the chin strap was in at the time um yeah i rocked the chin strap like kind of like near the end of high school when you can get that full, like when I could actually like connect the chin strap all the way. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was, that was a big deal. That was a big point of pride. But uh, yeah, I, I mostly had, we, we call them the chops. I used to have them grown down to like about here and then I'd shave them. Uh, or. You know, I, I didn't really like trim them or, or upkeep or anything like that. I didn't have you know a goatee going, or, or I wasn't trying to rock a soul patch, a mustache. I didn't get I didn't get too weird with it, but I basically did that like throughout I don't know through end of high school, into early part of college, and then early part of college kind of go a little bit more clean shaven, kind of some stubble, and then you build you build it up over the course of time. But um, yeah, I had some very cringe facial hair back in the day, and I always like to point out um, the fact that I started shaving before my brother and that was probably a sign that I, my brother was uh, almost two years older than me and that was probably a sign that I wasn't gonna grow anymore. So as much as it's like this rite of passage to be able to shave early in life, it also means that it's
1: probably gonna hurt you on the back end
0: and you're gonna end up being five foot eight like I am.
1: They could really just do a study on the human genome with just the two of us, bro. Because like, I am the <laughs> exact opposite. I'm like 6'1", 6'2". You talk about you had like a facial hair journey since eighth grade. Buddy, I have the same facial hair I had in eighth grade. <laughs> uh, my beard still cannot connect. There are days you get on this Zoom and you're like, buddy, go shave. <laughs> like, what are you doing? Like how long
0: has it been, man? Like, what, what are we talking here? Are we talking like uh, three, four days? Is
1: that like your, your two week look? This like, right here? Oh dude, no this is since like tell. Tuesday. <laughs> Yeah, it's ridiculous. I can't grow facial hair. All of my genetic talent points are away from the facial hair. Can't do it. Oh my goodness. Yeah, that's uh,
0: that's a different world to live in. Mm-hmm. Hey, at least you don't you don't have to get hair all over the sink though. That's kind of the good thing. I, I deal with that mm-hmm. all the time. I'm at that point right now too, where I usually don't go. I got like the month long beard g- growing in right now, and I usually don't go much longer than this because it gets to the point where it starts food starts getting in there and that's a problem that's that's the thing i don't want to have is for anybody to ever look over to me and be like hey you've got like a piece of popcorn in your beard you need to fix your life just some
1: grits hanging down the side of your side of your situation
0: yeah you've got half a hawaiian roll stuck on your cheek
1: (laughs) that would be you You'd just be mr hawaiian beard
0: yeah but there are there are worse things in the world to have than that um But anyways, so took this question to the Facebook group, Saturday Down South podcast on Facebook. I asked the question to the guys, do you have facial hair? Do you wish you had facial hair? What general rules do you follow? What is your most cringe facial hair? What's the longest you've gone without shaving as an adult? What would prompt you to rock the mustache on its own? And then to the ladies, do you like facial hair or is it a hard no? We got a lot of responses, so many responses. Um, let's start with this one from Trey Becton. Trey said, I've had a beard for 10 years now. I think I used to keep it at different lengths, but keep it at this length. Now my two sons have never seen me without a beard. Longest I've gone without a trim is about four months. And then Trey showed us the picture. Oh yeah. Trey's got the full beard. Like, uh, you could definitely hide, hide a small animal in Trey's beard. It's at that level. Very impressive. Sure, so he's got like the um, swole
1: gym guy beard going on. He's even got like a gym selfie in here. Like, that's the guy that you see on the rack. And you're like, you know what? I'll just work something else today, bro. You got it.
0: Yeah, the Dambalsarian. Yes, beard. Yes, exactly. Is, he's got the Dambalsarian beard. Yeah, where you're just instantly intimidated. You're like, all right, that guy probably doesn't mess around. If he's got a beard that full, mm-hmm. yikes, I'm I'm in some trouble. I'm the beta in this situation for sure. I, I always find that fascinating. I had a friend growing up whose dad was always like, he was beard guy, mm-hmm. and his wife had never seen him without a beard. No way. And they've been married for like 30 years. Unbelievable. Like I, I do not have any idea what this human being would look like without a beard. Everybody's kind of got that person in, in their life where you're just like, yeah, no no idea whatsoever. I would not even recognize you on the street if you shaved your face. <laughs> I might be that guy one day. I have no idea. Who knows what, what we're gonna be talking about 10 years from now. But I just got to that point where I thought to myself, I just don't like I, I don't like the way that it looks clean-shaven, mm-hmm. and I think as being a shorter guy, um, I always felt like I looked a lot younger. And I thought, when I keep, when I keep the beard, I actually look my age. And that's like, that's totally a, a, like it, this weird insecurity thing. Um, but I definitely, when when I was like when I was younger and I was and I wasn't growing, I was like, all right, I'm gonna just grow this out for a little bit. And then when I became an adult. I realize if I just become a beard guy full time, I'll never have to like worry about, oh, like do people think I'm 18 or <laughs> do they think I'm 19 or something? I just want to look my age. That's
1: all I want. Did, did I growing a beard help you like not get carded in college? Did you ever successfully pull that one off? Dude, I still get carded now. <laughs>
0: but that's well. also because we got the mask on and stuff <laughs> oh, too. yeah. So that's it's like, you know, you go to the grocery store and it's, you know, you got a mask over your face and. I'm 31, ma'am. Uh, I'm a grown man. I'm 31. oh man. I, I, I might be 5'8, 168 pounds, but trust me, I'm, I'm a grown man. We're we're uh, we're, we're good here. I, I can I can buy this this case of Blue Moon, and we can we, we can just move on with our day. Yeah, it's it's like 50/50 mm-hmm. for for getting carted uh, at a place like that. It didn't really help me out when I was younger though, because if you're short, eh. <laughs> doesn't really do you a whole lot of good. Mm-hmm. It just kind of tells the world that you're done growing,
1: in my opinion. I've never heard that before. That's interesting, it's a, a good spin for me. I guess I'm just never done growing, Connor. Maybe I'll just be Shaq size one day. There you go, good luck to you.
0: Uh, Joseph McGee says, I've had a full beard since college. I have my five o'clock shadow at 11 a.m. So I just let it grow and have no regrets. Only regret I had is when I once shaved it in the winter. When that cold wind hit my face, immediate regret. The most cringe facial hair is the guys who try to grow a beard and it's just a patchy mess. And I used to always say, unless you're Tom Selleck or Hulk Hogan, don't grow a mustache. I've, often, uh, I've softened my, su- my, my stance there and even rocked a mustache as my early COVID quarantine look. i do it again in a heartbeat in the spring slash summertime. Okay, two things I wanna hit on there. If you can't grow a beard, just keep shaving no. and hope that it comes back better one day. Just do it. Just do it. <clears throat> when, I remember my buddy Bronson, when he first was trying to grow out a beard and it would come in patchy, you know, and he would just go like two months without going clean shaven. I'm like, you know, if you just like go clean shaven, you're, it, it'll grow back, I promise you. I promise you, like just go clean shaven for a little bit here. You're not fooling anyone. If, if you have to connect the dots on your own beard, and look, I was guilty of that for a bit as well. I wanted, everybody wants to have the full beard as soon as possible. But if you're not there, just keep, keep working at it, keep shaving, and hope that it shows up. Because uh, otherwise, I always, I, I agree. I look at that and I'm kind of just like, you're, what, what are we doing here? Do you, that just ends up looking a little bit sloppier than if you just kind of went with the clean shaven look. Mm-hmm. Um, the stash, though, I, I, I disagree on that. My dad rocked a mustache forever, forever. Switched to the goatee when most people did, like somewhere in the 2000s. I don't remember, like mid-2000s when it was like, yeah, yeah, mustaches are kind of out. I'm just going to phase that out a little bit. Um, If you can rock the mustache comfortably, go for it. Go for it. Mm -hmm. Go for it. Like that is a very unique look that very few people can pull off. Many people attempt to but if you could be a tom Selleck,
1: why wouldn't you do that connor please tell me you've tried like the full curled mustache
0: i have not tried the full curled the only time in which i have tried to keep the mustache on its own was for a uh it was a bet that we did early in the sds days like real early like right right after i got here i think i'd been here for three weeks Mm and we did a mustache competition, but I had to shave my mustache in the middle of it because I was taking wedding photos. <laughs>
1: and so
0: I had to like try and grow it back. And so there's, if you can dig into the archives of like, I don't know, Brad Crawford or somebody probably has the, the picture out there and Brad grows facial hair like nobody's business, goodness gracious, that guy just, like, you talk about having your 5 o'clock shadow at 11 a.m., that's Brad for you. So, like, there's pictures of, like, all of us, my you know, John Cooper, Kevin Duffy, my bosses, like, with their their mustaches fully grown in, and I'm just sitting there,
1: and it looks like barely anything's there. I'm like, I
0: can grow a mustache. I promise you. I just didn't have enough time. Bro, now that you that's got,
1: come time. on now, now that you got the senior writer title, you got to just go full curled mustache, bro. Have your little avi up there, like you're a, uh, some type of Duke of college football.
0: <laughs> I don't know if I'm at that point in my life. Maybe someday, maybe, hey, who knows, maybe 2030s, that's going to be the decade in which the mustache makes a true comeback mm-hmm. and everybody's got it. And people will be like, oh, you still grow out a beard? That's gross. <laughs> These things happen. Um, let's go to this one from Tyler Chandler. Tyler says, I keep a full and fairly long beard for a while, then randomly shave it when I get a hanker in for it and keep, keep it that way for a while. I shaved for the first time in three or four years, a week ago. If you can see Tyler's profile pic, yo, that is a beard, wow. my friend. Holy cow. Talk about potentially small animals living in your beard. <laughs> Tyler's got it. Fairly long is might be an understatement.
1: This there. man said um, he has a hankering for growing a beard. What a king, bro! Well, he'd just be sitting there one day, like watching some TV. You know, I could really go for a beard right now. Just like fast forward to a week <laughs> later, he's got a full like nest in there. Yep, yep, feels good. Isn't that
0: so, like, he's right though, in that I used to have moments where I'd go, yeah, I'm just gonna shave it. I'm just gonna shave it. I'd be like, "Yeah, screw it. My dad would do that every once in a while too, where he'd shave his mustache or his goatee and he'd go clean shave and, and we'd just wake up one day and be like, whoa, what, what'd you do? What, this, this isn't what I signed up for. <laughs> What, come, we're supposed to decide this as a family
1: I love no, like the videos but, of like the, the kids where like their dad will shave their beard and not tell them and they'll just start crying <laughs> like the baby's yeah. like, who is this person
0: it totally changes it changes like so many different things about your look your confidence you're like constantly feeling around like you're you're Like upper lip and on the side you're like oh this is this is just really strange I don't really like that but it always is random it's very rarely oh I had this job interview or something like that and I had to to shave it off no just decided one day to do it got a hankering hey (laughs) got a hankering Uh, let's go to this one from uh, Lauren Jeffords Lauren says yes to facial hair until it gets a certain length I love a good scruff I think I think for the i don't want to generalize here i take that back i think there are a lot of women who would not like it if if men just if all men had to be clean shaven does that make sense Mm -hmm. i think that there is like a certain like like lauren says a certain level of scruff that is acceptable and then it crosses a threshold now that's not the case for everybody and i realize that but i also like there's this weird in between thing With a lot of women, I've had this conversation with my wife, Lauren, and how there are, like, if I grow it out for, like, two months or something like that and just don't shave it, she's like, we got some problems, buddy. Uh, This (laughs) This isn't going to fly. We're going to make some decisions here uh, or else this is how this is going to go down. People know what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. I think that... um, Having a good scruff though, finding that balance is so hard. And if you can find that exact right length that your beard should be, your facial hair should be, you just got to hold on to it. And it's, this comes down to whatever your significant other likes. And if you don't have a significant other in your life, then just go with whatever works in the dating pool, Mm -hmm. but find what works for you and find that, that right length, invest in trimmers. I say that all the time, that, that changed the game. When I did that like seven years ago, invest in actual trimmers to like maintain stuff. What a crazy concept to be able to get to that right level of scruff and keep it. Now, I'm not currently doing that, but in general, that works and that's going to Make sure that you're looking like the best version of yourself.
1: You gotta find your niche in the dating world. You gotta be like, I am this type of guy that's easily recognizable, you know what I'm saying? Like you got like the Chicago Cubs reliever thing going on. Like you could be like prime Jake Arrieta, you know what I'm saying? See, I couldn't pull off that look. So like, you gotta find your archetype that fits you in terms of like, like if I was into a girl that didn't like, that liked facial hair, tougher. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? You gotta know your look and you gotta rock it, bro.
0: Yes. Know your look, have confidence in your look and and rock it. And if that means looking like Turk Wendell, then so be it. (laughs) There's a reference that like six people are going to get, hopefully. Met him one time. He was at the Baseball Hall of Fame while I was there. Turk Wendell, good dude. Anyways, Caleb Tillman. Caleb says, my wife, then girlfriend, talked me into trying a beard six years ago or so, and I haven't looked back. She likes it. That's all that matters to me. I do try to keep it trimmed, but I have gone a couple months without trimming just to see where it could end up. I was uh, hoping for sexy lumberjack and got hobo. So never again. As for the solo stash, I thought about doing it. And when I got older and lose all my hair anyway, my grandfather rocks a bald slash power stash combo. So if I grow to be as, (laughs) as follically challenged as he is, maybe I'll try to make it work. I have not even fully processed what my go-to look is going to be if I like hit 60 and it's just not there. It's just not happening for me anymore. But I I hopefully will have a plan of what that's going to be. I'm also not going to be that person. Like if if my facial hair goes gray, that's that's not a means to shave it by Mm -hmm. any stretch. New level up once your
1: facial hair goes gray, bro. That's like a whole new level unlocked
0: you you get like a $10,000 raise instantly yep. because your employer is like, "Oh, you're distinguished." Now that's the throwback to those old commercials.
1: I straight <laughs> up told money. one of my buddies I was trying to get a promotion. I was like, "You know what you should do? Start slowly dyeing your hair gray over the course of several months." <laughs> it
0: actually might work. You know, give it a try. Give it a try, report back to us. Do it do it especially too if you've got a full beard. Right. And just kind of kind of lean into it. But I'm uh, I'm kind of yeah I'm kind of dreading the day that I, I'll actually have to make that decision and be like all right what are, what are what are we gonna do now what's our what's our game plan for the, this final chapter in life hopefully hopefully we get to that point and uh, I guess there are worse problems to have mm-hmm. at that stage. Uh, let's go to this one, uh, Derek Walden. Derek says. I had a pitiful goatee throughout high school along with the old Dwayne The Rock Johnson sideburns. Last time I was clean shaven and could see my chin was 2004. I tried the chin strap for a time too. Pictures are few and far between for that one. Been going with the full beard for several years now. I've gone eight months without touching the beard in an effort to see how long it will get after a full year of not shaving, but it gets in the way after it gets so long and gets too annoying to keep. Several people have told me I should stick with the stash by itself because it's so thick, but the wife always says she'll divorce me if I do. (laughs) Well, that decision's made for me. Yeah, don't do that. Don't do that. Um, Happy wife, happy life. Derek has this picture in here in which he's, you talk about facial hair journeys.
1: This is a three Our level score right there. This guy's got something <laughs> from every, every rage he's hit.
0: He's got like the goatee that doesn't connect. He's got the goatee that does connect and looks like it belongs. He's got the full Duck Dynasty beard. He's got the, the Dan Belzerian beard like we were just talking about earlier. He's got the respectable, you could go into work beard. Our man's got it all. Mm-hmm. That is beard versatility right there. Yeah, um, always, that's what it's gonna come down to. Always listen to your wife. All right, um, let's end with- Can we
1: talk about Drew Page uh, I, and his photo shoot? This is my favorite thing in the world.
0: Sure, we've, and we got a few photo shoots in here. Uh, sorry, Ross Elkins has some, Chris Zahore. Um we, we, We've got a few people that, that, have, that have pictures in here as well. So shout out to everybody. But yeah, Drew Page has uh, quite the interesting Photoshoot he's got what like four pictures in here.
1: I, I guess he oh just like gosh. took this today because he's wearing a Jameis Winston Jersey It looks like and he's yeah. Oh, he's got a stash. He's got the handlebars. He's got everything, bro Good lord. Uh, Drew
0: says between about 2014 and 2021. I would trim my beard, but I was never clean shaven Eventually since I work in healthcare, I had to shave to do a mask fitting and decided to go down to just a mustache My wife now begs me just to keep the mustache because she thinks it looks better um. Look, uh, Drew. Drew's got the mustache. He's leaned into it. Mm-hmm. He's fully leaned into it. He's embraced this, you, as you can see in this this shot-for-shot shot <laughs> photo shoot that he's got. He's got sideburns in one with the goatee in another. Mm-hmm. The fact that this is all, I think, in a Jameis Winston shirt is tremendous content, by the way. Um, I think he's he wants us to choose. I think he wants us to pick. Is that
1: the goal here? I would go either handlebars or full stash, Drew. I think that's the way to go. Got a little bit of, like, um, Dale Sr. going on in that first one.
0: Yeah, I could see that. I could see that. Um, I,
1: yeah, I, I'd say
0: handlebars. I'd say handlebars for a little bit. See if people, people treat you differently, mm-hmm. if that happens. Be a rough character. And, yeah, yeah, gauge, gauge reaction especially if, if you're in a situation too now where if you work from home and you don't necessarily have to have the zoom on video, you can kind of experiment experiment with some of these different things. That's a good time to be able to do that and, and mix it up. I am not personally a, a handlebars guy through and through. So I say that as someone who is not like a handlebars at all costs type thing. But um, if you can do it, I, I say, give it a try. You'll always wonder what if, Everybody kind of does like the faux, like what would this look like when they're shaving their beard or something like that? Mm -hmm. And then they kind of have that that moment where they think to themselves for about five minutes, like could I actually rock mutton chops? (laughs) Or how would I look if I just went full Elvis right now? Um, And for you, for several years, the
1: answer is let's give it a shot.
0: (laughs) The answer was let's do it, why not? Um, What would this soul patch look like um, if I just went with it? (laughs) We, We all have that decision process in the mirror, in our bathrooms. And usually we kind of snap out of it and just go, all right, let's, let's get back to basics here. Let's not get too crazy. But now's a good time to be able to do it. So Drew, um, Godspeed on your facial hair journey. And uh, yeah, give us an update. Let us know if you stuck with the stash and sounds like that's what he's gonna go with and that's, that's what he's gonna work with. Mm-hmm. All right, um, if you have not Leave us a five-star review. Like, subscribe, go subscribe to our newsletter. Go subscribe to College Football Uncensored and Saturday List Forever wherever you get your podcasts. Join the Facebook group. Hear your name red on air with figuring out poor, bold, and brash. Thanks, guys.
1: Talk soon.